Wow, what a great conversation I had today with Susie Williamson, the head of the Virginia Glory. Susie always fills my tank. And this was a great opportunity post the summer um, for us to talk about our experiences this summer coaching 18 U travel ball, uh, some of the themes we saw with our own teams and some of the work we did there, especially around development, not only the physical development of our athletes, but also mental, emotional, all of those things that we have to feed as coaches to help them get ready for the next stage of their career, but also their life. So great conversation. Can't wait for you to dive in. Welcome to the Bet on Me podcast, the ultimate resource for softball players looking to take control of their training and reach their full potential. I'm your host, Krista Stoker, and on this show, we'll be discussing everything from taking a holistic approach to your training to data-driven strategies for maximizing and growing yourself, not only on the field, but off. We believe that athletes should lead their own journey and push past any perceived ceilings on their talent. So join us as we explore the world of softball player development and help you bet on yourself. Because when you bet on yourself, you can't lose. All right, we are back for an episode of Bet On Me. It's been a minute. And so um, it's been a minute because I've been uh, traveling what feels like the world, coaching uh, travel ball. And so I thought, what better way to kick it off than to have a little recap of some of the summer (laughs) um, observations little travel ball conversation. So I asked uh, Susie, who I've had before, to come on with me um, and sort of talk through. We overlapped a lot this summer in the tournaments we played and our experiences and just talk a little bit about our recaps and observations. So Susie, thank you for coming on. It's always a blast to be with you, my fellow sister So uh, this is great. You need something, I'm going to be there. You're the (laughs) boss. Maybe I, I didn't, I, uh, maybe I set you up for this one because we didn't talk about it in our pre-thing, but how are you feeling sending your daughter off? How is that emotionally going for you? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's becoming, yeah, it's Close. becoming a little bit. When yeah. does she uh, leave? Soon? Uh, we take her to school um, on Wednesday. In mm. fact, she was tearing up this morning. Uh, she has a wonderful relationship with, um, her trainer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the trainer's like, I already starting to cry and I have a little gift yeah. for you. And so, yeah, she's like, uh, mom, I just don't know. You know, she's already really sad. Yeah. So we're supposed to be sad. Right. Yeah, so, for um, sure. Obviously but, different, so much different mom daughter relationship, but I think yes. this time of year is it's bittersweet. It's sad to see everyone go and spread their wings, but it's also just amazing to see the point of it all was, was to make, you know, great adults go into the world. So yes, off they go to spread their wings. That's yeah. a, that's exactly right. Yeah, so. for sure. Okay. So we were going to recap and there's, we could probably talk for eight hours about observations <laughs> about uh, travel ball and coaching in general. So we'll, we'll try to keep it uh, as condensed as we can here with just some, some thoughts. Um, I think both of us started, you might've started a little sooner than us, but you know, kind of going back to um, the beginning of the summer. So we both coached 18 new teams this mm-hmm. year. And I think we were both pretty similar, about half yes. seniors and half um, underclass, not underclassmen, but not seniors. Correct. Um, and so maybe just first kick off and talk to me a little bit about what your observations were as the girls came out of their high school seasons. Um, and we don't, 
we had a whole separate episode on the high school season. So I know that's a, a topic for a conversation, but maybe just that transition period um, for your athletes, what that looked like, what were some of the key themes that were either positive, negative coming off of high school, um, m- maybe a reflection of like the fall with your team? What did that look like for your team? Uh, well, pretty much you can ask any travel ball coach and, after coming off the high school season, I coach high school as well. Yeah, so right. when I'm talking things, it's not like, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's a different animal and it's different level of competition and it's a different experience. I mean, the pride and joy you get to play for your school, your with uh, the, your community. So it's a whole different thing. So if you try to say they're the same, they're not, they each mm-hmm. have their own wonderful uh, opportunity for experience. But with the competition being different and the level of pitching that the hitters are facing, you know, that is something that we're just mindful of. That's a reality of trying to get everybody ramped up. I mean, you're facing a girl that might be throwing 55 and then the one on the mound is, you know, a a Tennessee recruit, Um, you know, throwing mid upper 60s with tons of movement change up, you name it. So but it's just a reality. And you embrace that. And instead of like, it's like, okay, well, this is awesome. Again, just another challenge going to be like that in college anyway. And I know you and I have talked about embracing challenges and using them as opportunities. So uh, I was this year's group actually probably ramped themselves up, got them ready a little sooner than some of the other ones. So we didn't really miss too many beats. Yeah. Um, And other times it's taken maybe a little longer, Um, but then also being seniors, have them being seniors, they, they knew what to expect. So I could see a younger team that might be a little bit more challenging because they haven't been through that fire before. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we felt a big hurdle either this year. Uh, I think everyone was really excited to start travel ball for different reasons. So that Mm -hmm. energy helped our first tournament a lot. I think one of the challenges that's interesting for me is we, and we also played a lot of teams who were clearly down pitchers um, either because they sort of ramped up into travel ball too fast or coming off their high school season, they had injuries Um, And so one of the things with our pitching staff that we talked about is we had pitchers coming into summer in very different Mm -hmm. scenarios and how to moderate workload to account for what their situation was. So we had two pitchers who were overpitched in high school um, who needed time to like slow down a little Mm -hmm. bit in summer ball so that they could then ramp back up, Um, especially one of those was a senior to try to ramp her back up as she then goes to college. Um, we have one who doesn't play high school, doesn't have a high school team. So she was coming very fresh, but hadn't played a game yet. So then her ramp up was different and one that was kind of in the middle of those two. So I think that that was an interesting challenge. And one I talk about a lot is trying to jump into travel ball, but also keep kids healthy if you can manage it. Um, and I know, we both were in Kansas city, but in different tournaments and sometimes those tournaments, they get really heavy with workload. So it's a little challenging, um, to try to overcome some of your desire to just like overthrow everyone. Um, so bracket got ran out, which maybe was helpful that tournament. So, uh, maybe the universe is helping us not do that, that tournament. But, um, I did notice that I think that from a non-performance, I think the performance ones are kind of obvious where pitching really amps up. 
Um, I think also our pitchers got away with stuff in high school that then they were like, whoa, I can't get away with that here. Um, and so I think that one's obvious, but I think the other one is how to adapt for what happened in the high school season, um, for the kids that then come to travel ball and how to accommodate or build off of that, or, you know, take the direction that you need to. Yeah, um, most definitely. And I know you do a great job um, with your pitchers. In fact, all your players, but I'm just phenomenal. Like the stuff you just did with pitch doc and all the information that you have. um, I know they were in probably the best hands of anybody. It is hard to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. It gets gets tricky. Um, With that topic, one of the things I said to you that I, I think is interesting, this is probably I think this started last fall. It truly started last fall. So not this season, but last season where every tournament, you know, we play in really high level. Um, we're trying to compete against some of the top players and those tournaments, um, I think got feedback from college coaches that they wanted to see kids compete. Um, mm-hmm. and I think we can maybe put that in quotes because I think we can, uh, have some healthy discussion about what that means, but they want to see kids compete. And the way people were pushing for that is to get away from a showcase mindset or a um, low time moment. So I think previously we had played tournaments that were like 70 minute drop dead or, you know, these much shorter right. tournaments. And so there was a shift to go into seven inning games. Um, and I think probably my like first big experiences with this was in Chattanooga, like two falls ago. Um, but the tournament structure and maybe you can disagree, but I think it seems that the tournament structure stayed the same and we put in seven inning games. Um, and so that was something I, I found, um, I have found different challenges with, um, in managing players, because when you get, if you, if you're always winning, um, which obviously we all want the incentive to just mm-hmm. like live in the winner's racket and play one or two games and you're playing double headers every day, it's already a lot. So if you're talking about like a five or six day tournament and you're playing, you're talking about 10 games and even though they're less, it's a lot. But then when you get in the loser's bracket, I think one of the tournaments you and I were at in Atlanta, someone played five, maybe it was you, you guys played a lot one day too, but it was like five, seven inning games in the day. Um, so I think what was some of your experience, especially when you guys had to battle out because your team did battle out of a decent amount. I think they were competitors when you were starting to get rack up innings like that, you know, just what are your, some of your reflections of that concept of, you know, let's play a full seven inning game um, in a tournament structure. Cause we didn't change it outside of the tournament structure. Right. Um, actually I like it mm. because that's what it's going to be like in the national tournament. Yeah. So I know sometimes in the past teams would play at showcases. They were, drop dead at 80 minutes and then literally the player never got battle tested right so now they're going into a seven inning tournament which is that's the nationals and then their body would start shutting down so physically mentally they were not prepared Mm -hmm. um our high school games or seven innings unless you're good and you you know make them mostly five innings Mm -hmm. um but i actually prefer it I, I mean, I actually enjoyed it having the sevenings. I'd say the only thing I might not like since it extends the games, then if, you know, you happen to be the team that's playing at nine 30 at night, right. 
because now there's fewer game slots, so they right. get spread out. But and that's you know the tournament deciding what number of teams and things that they want. But right, um, I actually prefer it. And if something gets a little crazy and there's the run rules and things are still in there, yeah. but I think yeah. whenever we're competing, it is trying to build towards the end. So at the end of the summer, we want to be at our peak and right. the seven inning games help us prepare for that. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think there's a way to do it for sure because you are prepping for nationals. So, um, Atlanta was the first tournament. So that was post was two weeks before nationals. Right. It was the first tournament that I said to our pitchers, we're going to start testing it. We're going to see how long you can go and what it looks like to make staffs a little differently in preparation for nationals. And before that, we didn't really do that. So they had more limits on what they threw. Um, so I think that there's a way to do it. I'm not sure the system incentivizes that way. So I think that there's some mm-hmm. conversation around, uh, if you have a big enough pitching staff to manage that and you have the right conversations with your families and with your athletes, then I think that you can manage it. I think most of, we saw a lot of people coming in to nationals and not to say they didn't beat us with these kids uh, because we lost sometimes, but um, who had clearly pitchers who had racked up um, a lot coming then into this. So when a seven inning five game a day schedule means that you pitch one kid for that, or means that you play the same kids that can get challenging, I think. Yeah. It's funny with the pitchers. And so I did a completely different approach and actually I was saying, Hey guys, if you really pay attention in college, and then I was at a wonderful, probably one of the best uh, college coach panels that was at during Colorado. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. So you really are seeing now they are very strategic and their Mm -hmm. staffs are huge. So I had our pitchers. I said, hey, like you might go one time through the lineup two, you know, twice. And it wasn't done in a showcase mentality. It was in a competitive mentality. So it wasn't like, hey, little Susie, you're going to get your two and then Betty's going to come in. It was like we're going to we're competing and this is how it's going to be in the college. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tell you want to be great at one thing. Don't be good at a couple, be great because now the college are looking for, I need a drop ball pitcher or I need a rise ball pitcher, or this is what I need. So be great at that. And so kind of preparing them. And it was even Travis Williams said, Hey, please express this to your pitchers. Right. This is how it's happening. It's not going to be the one girl throwing the whole time. I mean, look right. at Kathleen Sandercock how they changed her role. And it's now it's like baseball, right? It's like baseball. And so we embrace that. And so everybody was able to be full blast fresh at their moment on the mound. Yeah. And it was having those conversations though, but it's having a conversation and them understanding um, what, what was going on. So, yeah, I think there were times, so we would say, okay, you're going to do this much, we want to get, want you to get through this. And then this person needs to serve as a bridge. So you need to give us three, yeah. outs, six outs. Yeah. And I think sometimes uh, for my team, and I don't know how this unraveled for you guys, but sometimes when that switch was made, we lost because of it. And what I would say is to the athletes, if we can't make that switch there, we can't make it far in nationals because we have to be able to rely on the staff like that 
We right. can't just ride our main kids out because that runs out. Yes. And so like everyone has to serve their role. And so, you know, leading up to nationals should be about preparing for that. And when I say sometimes the incentives don't align, it's like when you're mm-hmm. just trying to get top finishes and beat teams and sometimes you don't because you're trying to use different strategies to work up towards the end and make sure that, that that structure works and that people can go in in different scenarios. And, um, sometimes I, you know, there were oftentimes, so I coached with one of my ex players who was a pitcher and, um, she, towards the end, she would say like, you had to make that switch. I'm like, you don't have to convince me. I know. (laughs) Um, but she was like, that was right. I'm like, I know it was right. But, but the reason she was saying that was because then it imploded and you know, people are like, Whoa, why'd you make that switch? But I think this preparation, exactly as you're talking about, they have to practice what it means to be on the staff. And when we say like, get three outs, get six outs of what that concept means. And if you just assume they're going to do it at the end, or they're going to do it coming off of like a showcase mentality. None of that really works. No, I'm with you totally. And, and, and I told the players, it's going to unfold how it's going to unfold. I said, we kind of have a general game plan, but then we had one pitcher and she was doing awesome. Like absolutely awesome. She pitched six innings and then I could tell it wasn't quite there. We entered Sandman, you know, to close it out in the seventh. Um, So when you're just honest with the players and I say, I know sometimes I'm going to say things and you might wish I was saying something different, but if you understand that it's where it's coming from and the reason for it and your role might be this, this time, but then it's going to be this, this time. And every, we're just working all together truly as a staff. uh, Then usually it, you know, ends up being a little bit better because the players need to believe in, in what's going on and what they're doing. And, quite frankly, that you believe in them. Right. Uh, at Pitch Talk, Stacey Newman was saying that um, when she first started using staff, she thought she expected the like ball handoff to be like, thank you so much for taking me out. Like this like happy <laughs> moment. And she's like, I realized that even when they understand roles, you want it to be like a little edgy because you want the kids to want the ball. Yeah. And so as long as they, you know, get over it. Um, and, and, uh, have their role, but I thought that was funny. It's like, we all want to like, good job. So happy to be taken. Like you don't want kids to want to be taken out, but having the conversation around what those are, we got even more specific at the end. And actually Christian Conrad talked about a a concept of this, which I think is really interesting of how to practice it. But we try to get specific at the end of like, when this pitch goes, Mm-hmm. That's your main tool. And so like when we see it go, yeah. you might still be having success for a minute, but we got to get you out of there because like, that's going to, that's going to go fast Yeah, yeah. being very specific. So they understood not the randomness of it. So we could have conversations of, you know, what would have allowed me to stay in that game longer? And we, we can answer it pretty easy. Um, it yes. wasn't just like a, a gut feeling. There were some like real indicators of, of why we made the switch when we did. No, that, that's totally, I mean, totally agree. And that is the reason um, I like to have this calling the pitches. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think that the player and catcher can't handle it. And they can call anything, you know, call off any pitch at any time. She needs them. But when we're missing spots right. or the things aren't happening, I mean, at the level that we play, you can't, like, there's nothing greater than every pitch matters. I mean, the intensity of that Oh, it's so exhilarating. I mean, that's why you're on the mound. That's right. that's why you're on the field. And so that allows us when 
things are kind of like, hey, we're not as crisp as we need to be. And exactly, that was the reason usually for making changes and why the one girl stayed in because she owned this team, like right. owned it. But the other ones, you know, it's like a little chess match. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so, and you yeah. want them to be able to be at the full strength. So, right. um, but yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, that's probably a good time. So I think, I feel like when I was like, you know, your phone rang and I was like, Susie, I need, I need help. Um, (laughs) it was very little men or physical things. So obviously there's always physical things. You walk around a travel field, you're going to see physical mistakes on every field. That's just the reality. If you're playing this much, you have teenagers, they're supposed to be making mistakes. It's not like you're supposed to be watching perfect, um, softball. So it was very infrequently about the physical side of things and more of um, mental, emotional, social. I think there's some things that go in there, but some of the the challenges that I see and really where I think my heart is in travel ball and, and helping these athletes get through some of these um, challenges. So I'm just going to tell one particular story. I think I've told versions of things like this. It is a, it's actually what Someone talked about pitch talk also. That's how common it is. Um, I didn't tell her to talk about that topic. Um, but I <clears throat> feel sometimes like there is a, um, when I when I put compete in air quotes, the reason I, I think that is because there is a big part of competition and learning how to compete, which is um, there's some things that get wrapped into it in my mind, which is I'm not scared of making a mistake I'm able to play very free and, and the building blocks of that often need to have started or hopefully have started before they come to us, um, at 18 U and sometimes they haven't. Um, and I think that my team this year didn't have a lot of those building blocks. There were a decent amount of people that, that didn't have the building blocks to really play in those environments. And we spent a lot of the summer building that, um, building that competition, um, mindset and not a like be tougher, but a like, you know, you don't need to look around the corner as though the, you know, the big, bad topple monster is coming when you make a mistake, there's nothing bad that's going to happen, um, and learning what that means. So in Colorado, <clears throat> I, I came uh, to watch your game after we had a pretty bad loss and I, I had headphones in, I think I was listening to like relaxing music while watching your game. Um, and you and I were just talking and I was just asking for, um, some ideas. I had planned a team meeting and we talked a little bit about this identity question, um, and sort of asking them, what are the things that are holding you? I guess it wasn't identity yet. It was, what are the things that are holding you back? Um, and you sent me a sheet to, to have them do. And the girls all put identity. Um, which is just, it, it was a really common theme that came up. And this is something I've talked about with past teams. I, I hadn't honestly thought about it that much of this team until they put it right in front of my face. And so when they said that, I asked, let's go around the room and say one thing you're good at outside of softball. Um, and this is a, that's a question I've asked other teams um, with the same result, unfortunately, and they couldn't name anything. Right. Um, and <clears throat> it is a, um, it breaks my heart, I guess. I, you know, I, I got emotional sometimes talking with my team because I'm a super competitive person. I want to teach them to win on that stage, but that comes with confidence comes from those things. Knowing like, this isn't who I am. Even if I make a mistake here, I'm going to be okay when I walk mm-hmm. off the field and, 
and those types of things. And so that was something we worked on a lot going forward from there, um, was building that resilience that way, I guess. Um, so what are some things, obviously you've done some exercises like this with this team, with other teams, but what are some things you saw in your team or maybe just in general this summer with these concepts, um, that seem to be, you know, I think the college coaches see it a lot now. They get mm-hmm. people that are, are struggling with some of these challenges, but what are some of the themes that you've seen in travel ball in your experience or, or you saw this summer with that? You're right. It's, it's a tough one. They have so many competing voices, um, influences that are just swirl around them. I would say it is, I mean, I always say, you know, get curious, not furious. Everyone has a story and just say that to the players and understand when something is happening, what is the story behind maybe the way that player's behavior goes. And sometimes I know as a coach, that if I have somebody new come, you kind of get an insight, a window into maybe some of their past experiences. Because let's say if something um, negative happens, immediately they go to their previous experience. Right. And so it might have been maybe a coach was screaming or they didn't feel so, whatever it happened to be. That's their reality. Mm-hmm. But they immediately go there. And you're like, okay, so now this is kind of where I need to meet them. So it's not where I want to go, but I need to meet where they're at. And then just, uh, just have a conversation. And then you find out that that's might've been the way that they were coached or whatever it happens to be in their life. So saying, Hey, it's going to be, it's different here. And then just try to have conversation. What are things that trigger them? Um, and yeah. your identity question is great. So it's trying to ask questions. I think question-based coaching really is a way that can help both the athlete and the coach get mm-hmm. on the same page, but it's our job as a coach to meet them where the athlete's at. Yeah. And, and I think don't run away from it. I think oh, that was totally. one of the themes of yeah. the summer for us and the team is I had conversations similar, like, you know, <clears throat> I had a player and when she was feeling frustrated, sometimes not with softball. So she sometimes brought mm-hmm. something that had happened before onto the field. She got real external. That was the way she handled it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, she would turn to the the umpire when he or she made a call or, and that wasn't her personality most times. Um, and she would, you know, that team is so annoying. Like she just, she just got super external and I could see it coming. And so, um, we had a day where, you know, it was pretty, um, you know, it was pretty out there on the scale for her, um, in a, in a game. And so the next day I just put, we just went for a walk before the game. And I said, this is your challenge. You know, people are working on how to hit an inside pitch and you're working on how to have coping mechanisms for this challenge because, you are a leader. Um, and so when you get external, it brings the team there and that is going to be something that holds you back at the next level. And so, you know, how can we, how can I help you instead of being mad at you? Yeah. How can I help you to not go to this place? What are the strategies that we can use to not get there? Um, and I think 
you know, five years ago, I would have been like, stop looking at the umpire, <laughs> you know, like, stop, you know, I've just been so mad and not to say you never do that. You know, I had conversations with that yeah. athlete of like, I am going to have to take you out if you can't Correct. reel it in. Um, yes. And so I think that there are obviously consequences to that, but I don't want to take you out and I don't want that to be the consequence. So how can we stop this before we get there? And I think that's, they're not used to that and, and they're used to hiding, um, that side of them or mm -hmm. maybe not intentionally, but people don't embrace it. And so we just focus on the physical side of it. Well, right. you made an error because you need to work on your backhand. Um, and sometimes that's true, but a lot of times there are certain athletes where the physical stuff is so related to the other side. And if we ignore that, we've, we've missed something. We've missed the building mm -hmm. blocks, right? Which is why they then get there without these blocks to be able to deal with some of those challenges. No. And I think when you were having the conversation with her, I mean, I don't think there's too many athletes that want to appear to be out of control that want to appear, you know, the way that they do. And so it's like, Hey, I'm trying to help you. Right. Um, like I said, sometimes I'll have code words like, Hey, you know, I think until this true for, Hey, um, let's have some strawberries. And that's like, <laughs> Hey, right now, whatever energy you're giving off. I mean, we get tired of hearing about body language, but whatever's going out on the field, I know you don't want that to, you don't want to be communicating that pretty much because whatever we're doing on the field, energy, body language, whatever, we're communicating something. We're always communicating something uh, to our surroundings. So it's like, I don't know if that's what you want to be communicating. So I'm just trying to give you a little bit of awareness without going, Hey, Susie, your body language. I mean, I like, who wants to hear that? Right. Okay. And who, pick nobody your wants energy to up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, I'm so yeah. Pick up your energy. It's like, <laughs> right. no, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, it's like, and that's not usually going to be received very well because nobody feels like getting like called out. Right. Um, so then come up ways and the players even have that for me. So right. I'm like, hey, guys, I need your help. I'm starting to cross the line and I'm getting too amped up about things. And so right. I need you. So, again, we're all in it together. And then you give each other grace. I mean, my gosh, we're humans. Right. Um, but I think that comes just from a constant. You just weave that in your DNA. Yeah. And it's not, hey, let's have um, a little seminar on how to talk. Or, or interact or self-awareness and but then you don't continually add fuel to that that's supposed to be like a little spark and then you can create like a fire of how you want to go so i think sometimes people are like hey they have this one little thing but they don't breathe life into it mm -hmm. so it just dies right and but again we're humans you know get curious not furious give each other grace um a lot of times I'll use best friend advice. If somebody's really struggling and Michael, well, let's reverse the roles. I just right. told you what you told me. How, what would you say to your best friend? Right. And then usually they come up and they're kinder and their words are softer and are helpful. And I'm like, Oh, that's how you need to talk to yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how you need to talk to yourself. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting this this concept too, of we have to model it as coaches um, mm -hmm. I think it's something you could you don't see maybe on the fields as much us modeling, mm -hmm. uh, emotional regulation, um, yes. and maturity. And I think I had a <clears throat> game we ended up winning, but it was, uh, kind of a mess to get there. Um, and we made a lot of mistakes and there was a 
particular play, which we laughed about later, where our outfielder threw the ball like, I mean, it was, I said like later, I was like, we should enter you in the Guinness book of world records for the farthest throw because she launched it from right field over the third baseman's head. I mean, we all just like watched it like what in the, um, but it was at a time of the game that was like, oh my God, like what is happening? And later we, we ended up winning. So that lets you joke about it uh, more maybe, but later the girls were, we were joking about that story and we were pulling up clips of it and, you know, just having fun with it. And one of the girls said, Krista was so mad. And I said, what makes you say that? And they were like, your, you know, your reaction. Um, and I, I think sometimes it's, you know, when we say be curious for me, I was like, Ooh, you know, I just like, we were joking about that. I was like, that's not great. You know, yeah. not to say like, I wasn't, uh, frustrated in the moment with what was happening, but also like, it's just a physical mistake. And that my body language, that my energy sort of gave off to the girls mad. Um, it was very interesting for me. And so I think just continuing to reflect on <clears throat> if you are telling them, you know, don't press, don't let one error turn to two or, or whatever the things that we all say. And then your energy is giving off uh, pressing anger, mm -hmm. those types of things, then that's not really a fair ask of your athletes. So I think it doesn't mean you're not going to do it. We're humans, right. as you said, but just also being willing to have the same reflections on yourself that you're asking the girls to have, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, every interaction you have is somebody builds trust or takes it away. Mm -hmm. And so when you can be vulnerable, um, then I think that those are trusting moments. And then as we're talking about this, I mean, it's like, okay, let's all go pay patty cake. And no, we don't have standards. So when you build those trusting relationships, you can have tough conversations right. and they know it's coming from a place of love right. and it's not personal, but that you have to build that. Right. And you have to keep working on it. I mean, trust can be blown in, an, in a moment. That's taken a long time to build. So, I mean, I, I watch your teams compete. Like there's a standard and you're getting after it. And uh, again, when I say accountable, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to get in your face, but everybody knows like, Hey, I, this is what my team needs from me. And then every decision, everything I do is, is going to impact my team. Like right. everything does. So to me, that is kind of, accountable, but it comes from a place of love, but that doesn't mean there's not standards. Right. Yeah. So, I don't think anyone would describe me as a soft coach. So I think yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was saying about that athlete interaction, because mm -hmm. it's not like, Oh, I'm just going to let this athlete act out. I said, yeah, you know, you're going to come out if you're yeah. going to keep acting like that, yeah. but also let's work on it because I don't Correct. want to take you out. So I think there's mm -hmm. in the moment of the game, it was like final straw pull it together, go sit and have a second, pull it together. You're coming out. But then the next day when the heat was down, it's just like, let's talk together, you know, right. let's game plan together. We're on the same team here. So I think there's, it's very much of, I think this concept of, you know, building the, the building blocks for them of how to feel really secure in themselves, how to have the strategies they need to, to work through these hard times. It's hard work and it's, um, tough coaching, you know, but it's not tough from a place of 
not understanding the athletes and not loving them and those types of things, which I think are different things. And it's just getting the athletes adjusted to that concept, which I think leads us nicely into you and I have both had, you know, I, I said to you before this, this is the second year we're on the last games. Um, and they're after losses, um, both years, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't win nationals. So, um, so after the games were over that every single parent, every single player wouldn't leave the field. Um, we got lucky enough both times that we were the last games. So we just stayed on the fields forever. Um, but where there was tears and pictures and just this feeling of not wanting to not wanting it to be over, which is really special. So maybe talk through, I think, uh, both of us have some experiences with sort of the community that we built and the parents, but maybe, you know, in your experience, um, building that like community feeling and, and what that, what went into that for you, uh, this summer? Well, um, the parents there, I say it's parents, players, and coaches. Like we are a team and I firmly believe parents can be, uh, a secret weapon mm-hmm. can be a superpower for a team and embrace them. I mean, they're investing a lot of time and energy um, for their child. And particularly if you're, you know, a parent and you have had an athlete, you know how it can be on, on that other side of the fence. And to your point about at the end and everybody not wanting to leave and the moment, I mean, I would joke to say, you know, sadly, usually success for travel teams is that everybody is at least civil at the end or it's Mm -hmm. hopping in the car, squealing wheels and somebody's upset. I say, what a low bar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, no, it, no, it, it, doesn't I it doesn't need to be that way uh, I would say this past tournament way ended we had seven seniors it probably was the most incredible experience ever and so I you know talked to my players before our first game of nationals and then I said I'm going to say something to your parents and, and I said you know what I'm going to do that now and I went up to the stands and I grabbed all the parents and I said I need you. I absolutely need you. We need you. Um, your positivity, your energy will make a difference and your impact is greater than you can ever imagine. And I know we all want a great experience for, um, our daughters. And actually my daughter was, was on the team as well, but you know, we want a great experience for all of our athletes and, uh, talked a little bit about that. So it was, it was incredible. Um, they chose to be uplifting and positive and the comments I would have people watching us play and the way our parents were, it, it really was a secret weapon. And at the end, just like you said, nobody wanted, nobody wanted to leave. Um, I had seven seniors and none of them had been with me for uh, multiple years. So it was really, truly special. Um, and the parents were phenomenal. They were just, it was actually incredible, but yeah. it was really neat. People could, people could see the difference. And afterwards, 
teams after us, I'd see a, a parent going, we need to be positive because they saw <laughs> we need to. And, like, and they're all just kind of sitting there. But again, it's just in the DNA. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to put like, I send everything out to my players, parents, little parables, but that is just the drip. And then here it was our final moment to be together. How are we going to make this experience yeah. for, for um, the athletes? Yeah. I think I've had previous experiences that almost had me leaving coaching, you know, to be mm -hmm. honest of, I, you know, we have a bad parent dynamic or something. And so, you know, one of my answers and I joke cause you sort of alludes to this before we're talking about one of my responses was like, I'm not going to ever talk to the parents. It's only going to be the athletes. And I'm going to, you know, I, I stayed in my hotel room and I was just like, don't look at me. You know, this <laughs> is like, um, but I think this feeling and we've all felt it in, in coaching where you're just like, you make a decision and then you're looking at the stands, like, what's going to be the reaction right. to this decision or, you know, who is going to freak out or read into this. And it's not to say I never feel that anymore, but it's very rare because there has been so many, you know, really last year, <clears throat> especially of this like flip of that mindset of include them, mm -hmm. bring them into the community. They have a lot of my parents this year have roles. They do the film, they do the, yeah. they find dinner places, they, you know, whatever it is. And, um, and I think also include them on the whys behind things. So, mm -hmm. you know, not being scared, obviously it's work to have these hard conversations or to talk through everything. But if they want to talk about, you know, we talked about pitching changes. If the parents want to know the reasonings behind all of that, yeah. just fill them in on as much, like don't hide those parts of you or your decisions. Um, because when you don't, it doesn't mean no one ever, again, this isn't like utopia. <laughs> this isn't right. like everyone's just like, I agree with everything she says. Yeah. That would be weird. So they might disagree still, but there's, you brought them into that process or that yeah. understanding and it's not um, hidden. And I think that that is so powerful and it allows you to focus on what you want to focus on, which is coaching and your athlete, mm -hmm. your relationships with the athletes, instead of worrying about like Sally's mom is freaking out and running outside of the stadium. <laughs> like we never had instances like that. And when we did, what I would say is one big thing. And I know as a coach, you see, you can sense it. Right. You can sense it you in know. the athlete. You can yep. sense it in the parent and you know, when like something's going off the rails and in the past what I would do is like, I'm just going to ignore it. Like I'm going to ignore it and hope it goes away. And I am much more likely now to go up to the athlete and be like, let's have a conversation. Like something seems off. So right. like, what's going yep. on? Um, and without being fearful, I think we're all scared that she's going to leave. She's going to whatever. And it's like, maybe she is, but it's better to have all of those conversations right on the table. Um, instead of running away again, modeling what we're asking athletes to do. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and trying to be proactive. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and setting, cause again, to your point, we've been doing this long enough. You have your little spidey sense and now, right. and you know, things that are going to probably cause like some conflict or just a little bit like, uh, so you just make it a conversation. It's not like, Hey, uh, you know, Susie, Mrs. Susie, I know you're going to be mad because I'm, right. it's not like, so yeah. I'm telling you, right. no, it's like, Hey, and this is actually, I actually had this conversation with my pitching parents 
Because when I realized how a staff and how things are going, like, hey, was adding a wonderful thing. And this is what they said in reflection. So this is kind of a little bit now what we're going to be doing moving forward. And so then they they understood, again, not saying that they necessarily agreed with it. Everything was on board, but they understood that the reasons behind it, it wasn't just like, well, I'm just feel like doing this. And, but I actually was intentional and it was done when nothing had happened. So it was just a conversation. It wasn't after X event happened and now I'm trying to go and, you know, get things back. It was just done before in a conversation saying, Hey, moving forward, this is a little bit what we're, we'll be doing. And as we're building and hopefully ending and, but actually the main thing is preparing your daughter for how it's going to be like in college. But, and that's why as a coach, you want to be curious and forever learning. It was wonderful because you're kind of feeling that, but then now you're hearing them actually say, this is what we are doing. And then talking to a lot of my college coach friends in the summer, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of it. And then I'm saying to their parents, like, be great at one thing, mm-hmm. own one thing, because they're looking for complementary pieces. It's no more than one person that yeah. they're just going to hitch. But, you know, if the girl gets hot, she can handle it. Yeah. But that's, they're not going in with that. Right. So um, is having just conversations before things. And I think sometimes coaches, they're always trying to now try to put out a fire. Right. And it's like, oh, it never would have gotten to that if you just made sure you had things in place, you invested in creating those relationships. Right. Uh, ways of communication. Yeah. I think we will wrap up, but I think to, in summary, what I always go back to, and I, I laughed because one of the days we, of a tournament, we were really struggling and I uh, went out on the field before they were warming up and I just like <laughs> closed my eyes and I said, look through the game, look through the game. Like I just kept saying that to myself all of the time, which is like, don't get hung up on the mistakes and the errors and the physical sides, like our role here, yes, is to develop them physically, but it's way bigger than that. And right. so like, don't lose sight of that. And so, no, it's not utopia. Everyone's not just gonna be like, yes, Kumbaya. You know, yeah, we're just gonna <laughs> hold hands and we're never gonna fight. That's also not what you do with your family and your loved ones. It's not like that's Correct. what I do with my children, my own children. So yes. I think there's the reality of that, but it's really, I think when we're asking questions all the way to like, does seven innings make sense? And does this tournament structure make sense? And should we go travel to here? And should we spend this money? It's all rooted in this question of like, is this developing the girls for the next step of their supple career? Yes. But then also life, like, is this decision on board with that mindset? And so when you're reflecting on your own energy as a coach or your athlete's energy is bad or they're making physical mistakes. Like is your response to that in line Mm -hmm. with that? And I think, um, what we, we've seemed to gone astray in that in the big broader sense of the game. And so I think what you and I connect with so much is, and why I sometimes call you is I'm like, I'm going off the rails, Susie, like I'm losing it. (laughs) I got like, I, I need to refocus on why, what my purpose is here. Um, and just making sure that we stay on track there because it is easy to get lost, um, in the sea a little bit, but I think that that's how I would conclude all of this. They're like, they're different, 
you know, you're talking about yeah. pitcher staffs and mental side and parents, but it's very related, which is just like, that's the root of what we're doing here. And so your decision should be built off of that. Yeah. Simple E plus R equals O event plus response equals the outcome. Yeah. And again, not that it's easy. Humans give each other grace. Um, and we're, we're all just striving and just strive together. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a green energy about the porcupines, uh, the porcupines. It was really cold, really cold. And all the porcupines would hold together, but they would prick each other. And so um, they was like, I don't like that feeling. And so then they would spread apart. And then they began to realize, well, we will die because we will freeze to death. Because if we're not together, uh, we won't have each other's heat to mm-hmm. keep ourselves alive. So some of the porcupines said, no, 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 I don't want to get the pricks from each other. But most of them then came back together and said, in spite of the little hurts, little pricks that we get from each other, if we don't have each other, we will die. And so use that analogy, like Mm -hmm. your teammate, you're going to get little pricks. We as coaches in life, that's going to happen. But if we're not together, keeping each other warm, um, we'll perish. Yeah. So that's a great way to end. That's a good analogy. Well, thank you, Susie, as always. Thank you. It's always nice to talk Can't to wait you. Wait for the next one. Yes. And we will uh, <laughs> recap fall, maybe. And yes. We'll have some different uh, thoughts on that. So <laughs> love all it. Right. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bet on Me podcast. Go to YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to this podcast and like it, subscribe to it comment, give us reviews, whatever you can to help get this out to more people. We appreciate you as always and are looking forward to the next episode.